it is first and moose i'm connor taylor with me mark Schoster and patrick mccabe and we're gonna wait a little bit to jump into the games first we have some of our we're gonna jump into our funniest quotes best quotes uh from from the nfl season thus far and just talk about that and then we can jump into games a little bit later but how about you you start us off mark with a, a quote you've really enjoyed from this season yeah i um i i actually ended up using a, a way to find good quotes uh, a great source for that is just clicking top on r slash nfl on reddit because typically some good quotes get shared there and um so i found some good ones here i found five of them I don't know how many of you guys have, but I, I mainly they're funny. I think I have, uh, if I ended up picking one that was interesting just on its own. Uh, no, there are, only one is really just an interesting quote. The other ones are just kind of funny. But I figured we'd do this to, you know, shake up our discussion a little bit. Uh, we don't want to get ourselves stale here on the podcast. But the first one I've got um, actually is way back at the very beginning of the season. And it's from a quote master of sorts in – Chiefs head coach Andy Reid and uh, they asked him about his Super Bowl ring and he said and I quote you wear it for special occasions or if you want a free cheeseburger <laughs> and I think that's quintessential Andy Reid right there treat you to a cheeseburger it's the, one of the greatest one-liners of all time yeah I mean he, he I mean what else what else can you expect from it he leans into he leans into it and it's great because then you know and they're all they're all the jokes about how when he's looking at the his like play sheet on the sideline, it's actually just a menu and stuff like that. But the the fact that he's all in on the joke is is phenomenal. And you I mean I love Andy Reid. Andy Reid's a funny guy. Yeah, a- Andy Reid is is awesome. I feel like him winning the Super Bowl last year. I don't think many people were mad about it. I feel like everyone yeah. was happy for Andy Reid. And as an eagle, yeah, as an Eagles fan, it was definitely. It was good to see him finally win a Super Bowl. I know we were all – I mean, obviously, we wish he would have won a Super Bowl while he was here, even though we got cheated out of 2004. But that's 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 beside the point. Um, we were all – I think we were all very happy to see Andy Reid finally win a Super Bowl. And, I mean, they're, it looks like they're poised to win another one this year, I think. Yeah, they, they, they finally put the can't-win-big-games narrative to bed, even if it was kind of silly for Andy Reid because it, he literally just hadn't won a Super Bowl, which is – you know, not a lot of coaches could say they've won a Super Bowl. So it, it was just nice that he could finally be put in the, the category of greatest coaches of all time because he has everything else. He just didn't have that Super Bowl win. He has the schemes. He has the win total. He's, he's done it for separate teams. And it's nice to finally see that he can, he can, he checks off all the boxes now. And he also has humor as a box he could check off. Do you think you would consider him as a first ballot Hall of Famer? I think he is. I think I think Andy Reid's a first ballot Hall of Famer with how innovative he's been as a head coach throughout his time, and you know just the influence he had on both the Eagles and the Chiefs in the brief time he's been with uh, Kansas City uh, have been huge. What's a quote from from you, Patrick? Uh, I would have to. I actually came up with a couple of funny ones. Um, so this is from uh, Romeo Cornell. He's the Texans interim head coach. Uh, he was talking about the trade deadline at the time and another food related one he said if they make a substantial offer then we'll consider it talking in context of the trade deadline uh and someone asked what does he mean by that and he said well 
nobody really came through with a deluxe nut package. If there had been some deluxe nuts laid out on the table, it could have been a different deal. <laughs> I just found that very confusing. I'm like, I understood, like I understood why he said, like I understood like the context behind it, but I'm just like, it's just an odd way of like putting it out there. But I thought I found that pretty funny. And I mean, again, we really didn't see a ton of like tread, trade deadline stuff this year is kind of, you know, pushed to the side, obviously with the election on the third as well. So. Yeah. yeah, I think Romeo Cornell is subtly saying that Green Bay ice cream isn't very good. So <laughs> that's where I'm going with that. <laughs> um, but I would say that that is a, an interesting analogy to use. But it, we did talk about this, that it was quite a quiet uh, trade deadline, which we thought was – I mean, it's usually how it goes in the NFL season, but we thought maybe it would be different this year, and it ended up not really being that different. And then Romeo Cornell out here uh, – thrown out some quality quote with quotes with some uh, I guess I'd say just ice cream analogies that uh you know, you love to see it's kind of like a couple years ago when um Chuck Pagano was the head coach of the Colts bless his heart and they asked him what we were gonna do for running backs one game and we had Frank Gore and Marlon Mack at the time and he was like we're gonna do Frank and Mack Frank and Mack attack Mack and cheese Frank and Mack you guys you guys like that I made it up on the spot and he literally said that like verbatim almost. And I remember listening to it and thinking, oh my gosh, this poor guy is our head coach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't heard that uh, Romeo quote. So I, I enjoyed that one. But my, my first one is, I don't think it's like funny. It's not like a funny quote, but it's an interesting quote. And if you really think about it, I think you, you could say it's funny. But yesterday on the, the Fox broadcast talking there for the Giants-Eagles game, uh, they said that Dave Gettleman told them Friday that he's been told by people, so this is kind of like a fourth-hand quote now, but that he's been told by people that the Giants are the best 2-7 and seven team they've ever seen, which <laughs> to me is hilarious is, because – what what does that even mean? Like, why does Put that up matter? a banner? <laughs> why would you Why would you tell people that people have told you that? And then who's telling them that? And if I'm told that as a GM, I'm asking, what two and seven teams are you comparing to me in history? I I want to know. But that that was just a weird a weird thing to <laughs> gloat about in a way. Just look at this roster. They're so stacked, and they're two and seven. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that one. It's just like. There's, I, I mean, we've seen Dave Gettleman. He's not the, you know, the brightest general manager we've ever seen. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him if they were, if the people who told him that were just messing with him and then he actually took it and ran with it. Um, <laughs> that seems like something that would happen coming out of the Giants organization, but that's just a weird one. Like, I don't think I've any, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard someone say, oh, this two and 17, they look great. No, no. Yeah. You know, it makes me think kind of because I, this is obviously not something one would boast about. Like, I think there there's an observational point that you can, as a fan base of a team or as a team, you can reflect on. Like a couple years ago, or two years ago, so actually an exact couple years, uh, the Colts were one in five to start the season. And everyone in the fan base and on the team thought, this isn't a one in five team. This team's a lot better than this. They're not one in five. This may be in a, like, this may be the best one in five team we've ever seen. And then they proceeded to win nine of their next 10 games and make the playoffs in a pretty crazy run. Andrew Luck's last season. And 
in some way you can look at a record and be like, okay, well, this team is better than this or they're worse. But I don't know if anyone was ever bragging that the Colts were the best one in five team ever (laughs) in the NFL. Like no one cares and and no one should care that the Giants are the best two in seven team in the NFL or in NFL history. It's just, it's a strange thing to hang your hat on. Yeah, it's a weird thing. And it's something I guess the Giants are, are happy about, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, the next one I've got, and I imagine you guys are familiar with this one, but before the season, this is another kind of preseason one. Uh, they asked Melvin Gordon, uh, how would you feel about a season with no fans? And Gordon said, well, uh, I'm used to not playing with fans. We didn't have fans <laughs> anyway. And I just think that is a hilarious burn. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> if we're going to be honest to your former team. And I, I think that he's, I assume he doesn't like the Chargers that much anymore. So yeah. I, I like the burn. I like the burn mm-hmm. from Gordon a lot there. It's actually pretty funny. I mean, he, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious. The Chargers are just not, we're not in a good situation with their arena. Um, and it was kind of fun. I remember almost every game, I think their first or second season was like, cut was just completely like opposing fan dominated. So like, when, I remember when the Eagles played them, they it was like eighty percent. It was just a sea of green. It was just, it was just bad. I feel. I mean, I feel bad for like the San Diego Chargers like fan base because like, obviously Dean Spanos is not the greatest, you know, and the nicest owner in the world. Um, and definitely taking away from San Diego where they were a thriving team and you know always in the fight for like a for an AFC championship. Um, it was def. I mean, it was definitely the karma I guess are moving away from San Diego to you know the StubHub Center yeah yeah I remember in particular it was notable when the Steelers played there on Sunday Night Football and there were terrible towels everywhere and I'm thinking this is an East Coast team in in LA dominating the crowd that's crazy but yeah I mean I'm sure there's there there are lots of hard feelings between Melvin Gordon and the Chargers organization what's your second one Patrick my second quote I actually had from Justin Herbert. So obviously when Justin <laughs> great segue. Um, exactly. Uh, my oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um week two, obviously, when uh Tyrod Taylor went down with that punctured lung. Um I mean again, we found out about that less than ten minutes before the game, and even he didn't find he found out about that like as he was going down like for kickoff, like he was running down to the, um, to like when they, um, fair caught it. And all of a sudden his head coach comes up behind him and was like, Justin, you're going in. And he was like, he was so confused. He was like, wait, what? And he just, he said, go. And he was like, all right. And he was, he said that he was like smiling. He was happy. I mean, we've all seen Justin Herbert. He was a very happy, go lucky person. But in that moment, it showed that like, I mean, again, he played a very solid game week two. Um, and it showed, that he's a very polished quarterback. I mean, we saw that coming out of Oregon. He's one of the – he's probably going to end up being one of the better quarterbacks from this draft class. Um, so, I do think that shows off how polished he's how polished he was as a quarterback. Um, and, again, that was just a crazy situation. I mean, Twitter was just a blaze when we saw that first news. It was – it was just – it was just – I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor. The man's had to put up with so much in his short, short career. I mean, he's really led the way for – Baker Mayfield, Nathan Peterman, bless his heart. Um, And now Justin Herbert. Like, I just feel bad for the guy. Like, he's been put through so many, like, to put it lightly, pretty awful situations that just are out of his control. Yeah, he's been real unlucky. 
Yeah, I guess, I guess if you're a drafty, if you had a quarterback in front of you, you probably would want Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor or Alex Smith, the two magical <laughs> players. Too. You know, it's, just, it's the complete opposite if you get drafted to a situation where Ryan Fitzpatrick is there, even if you're the intended starter, because somehow Fitzpatrick finds his way back into the starting position. We'll see if that happens again this year. I have my doubts, but history would prove otherwise. But uh, I, I guess we'll go into my next quote here. And this is one that uh, Connor will probably appreciate because it's a Packers quote from Aaron Rodgers. And he'll probably remember this too. It was on the Pat McAfee show. And he said, uh, I sometimes laugh when people talk about down years for me because a lot of times down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. And I just think, what a, what a flex. What, what, how, much, <laughs> how much confidence can you have in yourself? How cocky can you be to say something like that? But, I mean, really, he's right, though. I, I, I loved it, and I've loved him on Pat McAfee's show this year because there's generally a lot of good quotes. He's been really open on it. Yeah, he, he has, and he is, he's a quarterback that is very well-spoken and does not speak in a manner where he's going to get a lot of clickbait like that, in all honesty. And it was such like a clickbaity quote that it shocked me that he's willing to say it. But I, I love that he said it. And, and this year, we've, I've mentioned it before, he just seems happier than normal and I, I like his sense of humor to be honest with you it's, it's a weird sense of humor but I'm, I'm enjoying Aaron Rodgers this year a lot I appreciate that you guys watch the Pat McAfee show too because not a lot of people even though we're I mean we do go to West Virginia not a lot of people like him I was kind of surprised by that when I got here but I love I love Pat McAfee show and Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback is just he doesn't make a lot of waves again like you said Connor he really kind of he doesn't he keeps himself but especially this year especially on Tuesday you always I always want to watch on Tuesdays when he's on because it's just always he's a very smart intellectual player um not a lot of people have seen before so seeing him this year on Tuesdays has been pretty entertaining yeah I mean I I have to love the Pat McAfee show I contractually love him on on both his college and NFL days so I mean I I love the guy so definitely think that some people give him a flack there sometimes I don't think he's funny but mm-hmm. I think he's really found his groove. Like that, he he hit or miss out after he retired. But I think he's really found his niche and, and really fits into it really well. And I think he's making some good content right now. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how his I don't want to call it a stick, but it kind of is his uh, his personality evolves over the years because it, he'll have to evolve in some way to uh, continue his prominence in in uh, sports media right now. But we we can get back to quotes. Um, Another one I had, I really, this was, I feel like both of you will remember it pretty well because it uh, made its rounds on social media from the Panthers. And it was when Robbie Anderson uh, was, was quoted on the sidelines saying, what's that bear doing? And uh, DJ Moore asked the bear and then Panther and then DJ Moore was like, that's Sir Purr, bro. And then, you know, the, <laughs> the thing back and forth, he's like, who, Sir Purr? How do you say that? Sir Purr? And he's like, you call him that? And it's it's really <laughs> funny to me that it's Sir Purr. But the, the funniest thing to me is that Robbie Anderson thought it was a bear. Like, he does realize he plays for the Panthers, <laughs> the Panthers. right? <laughs> like, he's not in the right, like, region there. So I thought that was funny. Uh, he, he needs to stick to football, I guess, <laughs> as, as some people would say. Oh, my gosh. But I also just think that I love how Morris is just like, ah, that's Sir Purr, you, you, you dummy. Like, <laughs> we all know that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Robbie Anderson just has not been, he, I remember even last year. So obviously um, the Panthers are coached by Matt rule, who was a formal, former temporal, Oh God, temple coach. Um, and he actually brought one of his old coaches, Ed Foley, Ed Foley, if he's one of the best special teams coaches I've ever met, and he, his quotes are just incredible. He sent, so after every Panthers win, they sing Sweet Caroline. Robbie Anderson did not know what Sweet Caroline was. And I, I, I was kind of surprised by that because I think that was like a week or two after the Serper incident. I'm like, what does this dude like not know about? Like there's, I don't know, first off, how do you just not know one of the greatest white person songs of all time? I mean, that's Sweet, Sweet Caroline's a great, one of the best all white person songs of all time. <laughs> the Jets don't have a mascot though do they so maybe just not used uh to mascots in the stadium but do they not the jets just don't like fun (laughs) do i'm not sure if they do i don't think i've i can look it up but uh you can go into your next quote patrick why do some research the jet plane that's me yeah i feel yeah i feel like it was a jet i couldn't remember i mean i don't know i that's just from a kid's show i remember from oh (laughs) i thought it was like a i thought that was a slogan from the jets it sound like no um but I, so my last quote that i had was from eric fisher he's a offensive lineman for the chiefs and in week four he scored his first touchdown they um a lot of nfl teams will somehow sometimes have like a trick play for offensive linemen to score touchdowns in the red zone yeah. and he said that he um when he scored his touchdown he said my life just flashed before my eyes dude i blacked out totally blacked out jesus took the wheel on that one <laughs> and that's honest i think that's like a perfect representation of any offensive lineman and I know that personally because I have a fair amount of friends that are offensive linemen and that's exactly how they would talk they would just say like I don't even know how it happened it just happened blacked <laughs> out I don't know I don't know what happened um but I think that's a great I thought that was a great quote I mean it's always it's always entertaining to see offensive linemen score touchdowns and especially Eric Fisher I mean he and especially for the Chiefs I mean it's just Again, I keep going back to the point. I still think the Chiefs are going to probably win this. I think they're either going to win the Super Bowl or they're going to – I think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be tough to see who's actually going to win, though. Yeah, you know, you always love to see offensive linemen score a touchdown because you're like, oh, man, that's going to make that guy's day. and It'll make that guy's season. And, but, like, it's, it's great to also hear the quote that follows it because it – reassures that it really it does feel like that for them like they just are ecstatic at the opportunity that to score a touchdown in the nfl and it's such a big deal to them that it freaks them out at the proposition of doing it and so it's really good look into eric fisher because that's such a genuine moment and such a you know you scoring a touchdown in the nfl is huge i imagine scoring your first touchdown is huge for any receiver running back quarterback but if you're a lineman like that's your moment right there and so it means more than just the six points you put on the board and i i think that's awesome and uh i back on my research about the mascots uh, according to bleacher report there's only five teams that don't have an official mascot and one is including the new york jets then it's the raiders Oh, okay. Can I guess what the other ones are? Yes. So we've got the Raiders. You just said it, the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me quickly fly through the teams here. Um, do the Buccaneers have a mascot? Yes. Okay, they have a mascot. According to Bleacher Report. So I don't, I don't, I'm wrong, I don't have I'm an image them. in my head. So, um, and if anyone else wants to field guesses, they can. Um, I just want to see if we can land them. Oh, the Rams. 
They do have. They one. do. They have. They, a, they have one. Yeah, they have uh, one. Oh yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we got we have five teams and Jets and the Raiders. It's weird that the Raiders don't have one. That's so that's so odd to me. Um. Do the 49ers have one? Yes. Okay. Interesting. I can't even think about. Was it a like. gold miner? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um. Geez, now I'm drawing a blank. Packers. Yes, that is one. Pack, yeah. Uh, do the Bills have one? Yes, according to Bleacher Report. Interesting. Oh, my goodness. Do the Giants? They do not have one. They do not have one. Yeah, wow. the Giants. Right. So, New York just doesn't have fun. They, they still no. don't believe in fun. <laughs> it's New just York, not a what thing. do you expect? They don't. They're, they're all business, and they're also all about having bad football teams. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, no offense to the best two and seven team in the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah watch, watch your mouth there. Hey, Mark. come yeah. on now. <laughs> I think you guys can get this last one. Oh, my goodness. I want to give a hint, but it'll give it away. My hint. Okay. So it's a little uh, bit too easy. Oh, to no. I'm trying to think through all of the teams. Do the Saints have one? According to Bleacher Report, they do. There's a lot of mascots I don't think I've ever seen, but yeah. according to Bleacher Report, there's only five that don't have an official mascot. Okay. Uh, Seahawks. No, no they, they do. Have a sea- they have a Seahawk, yeah. Yeah, they have the Seahawk. I'm just trying to think of who else is out there. Um, all the and- birds have – all the birds have – bird team names have mascots. The oh, – the Steelers. Uh, they have one, according to Bleacher really? Report. Really? They do? It's just a steel beam. <laughs> according, to, according to Bleacher Report, they must because they're not on the list. All right, I, I give up. We're taking too long. Uh, Dolphins? Washington football team. Oh, wow. Oh, come on. Wow, wow. We did just completely flop Jesus. on that one. Yeah, I, I thought about oh giving a hint, but I was you're like, telling me, You're telling me they don't just have a W walking around? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't believe that. Oh man, I just sometimes I just forget they exist. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, though, I guess I'll get into one of my uh, another one of my quotes because I have two more, and one of them is not from a player; it's from two commentators. Um, uh, two favorites, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, uh, quite a classic duo right now. And this happened during the Giants Cowboys game, and I'll just go through the dialogue here, Jim. Prescott becomes the first Cowboy quarterback to catch a touchdown since dot, dot, dot. Tony Romo says, I don't know. Jim says, you don't remember? And Tony said, did I catch one? And Jim said, no. (laughs) 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 I just think that's a great little little bit of banter between those two. It it really encapsulates Tony Romo, too, I think. I think it's great. I think it's the CTE kicking in. (laughs) I love that he tricked him, though. That's a... It's a funny move to yeah. put him on his toes. Yeah, Tony's like, "Wait, did I catch a touchdown?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, my my last one, I'll do, and and then you can go, Mark, and if you have any more, Patrick. But uh, it was from a reporter saying uh, at the Patriots saying somebody once told me there are no stupid questions, and Bill Belichick interrupted and said, "Yes, there are," and <laughs> I I just. I love that Belichick was like, nope, I'm going to end that right there and say there are. Yes, there, there are, are stupid are questions. 100% there are very stupid questions. I've personally given stupid questions. There's no – I don't even know what that journalist was thinking. No offense to him or her, whoever whoever they are, but, I mean, come on. There, we've all seen the – we've all seen videos of just 
I don't even know what they were thinking. Yeah, I um, funny. I'm actually gonna put in my quote here because it's like that's classic Bill Belichick. But this quote I've got right here is also Bill Belichick really changing his vibe a little bit here. Um, they asked him about you know the, how their team roster is depleted and all right now. You know this this was 13 days ago, and I thought this was a pretty significant quote. This is the one non-funny one I have, and I said, and he says, uh, I mean, look. We paid Cam Newton $1 million. It's obvious that we didn't have any money. It's nobody's fault. That's what we did the last five years. We sold out. We won three Super Bowls, played in a fourth, and played in an AFC championship game. And I just thought, wow, Bill Belichick just laid it out there. Like, that's quite the quote from a guy who typically says, yes, there are stupid questions. For him to really just be that just level with them is pretty crazy. I – I, Oh, I was just going to say, we actually got breaking news with the NBA. Um, they trade the Thunder traded Chris Paul to Phoenix, to the Phoenix Suns for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome, Jalen Lecke. I'm sorry if I butchered your name and draft compensation. Wow. You know, my boy Ty Jerome is now going to Oklahoma city. That's so upsetting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could. I would wish I could provide more insight on that, but we are on an NFL podcast. True. So. Yeah, that's true. I just. I just saw that on Twitter. He's excited. And I'm like, Ooh. It's. It's big news. It's big news. But it's, <laughs> it, 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 I did it, just see that. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, but first and moose providing our very uneducated <laughs> NBA opinions out here. Uh, Chris Paul is a pretty good <laughs> basketball player, and so is a uh, Booker. But you know, that's <laughs> that's, that's about that. it. <laughs> Uh, do you have any more, Patrick? Or I do not. I actually want to hear Mark's um, last one. Oh, that was my last one. The, that was your Belichick. last one? Oh, okay. Yeah, the Bill Belichick Oh, one. okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, I, I just think that it, it was really interesting for Bill Belichick to just be real with them. And I think this is the right time for him to be real with the, with the media because it's going to be kind of rough for the Patriots, even though they did win last night. It's not going to be as pretty and polished as it has been in the past. And so he needs to be able to – let people know that he's aware that it's not great and that he's working on, you know, putting it back on an upward slope again. I, I love it. I, I love Bill Belichick a lot. I've, I've actually fallen on the side of that. I, I kind of like the dynasty in a way I I've enjoyed their greatness. It was obnoxious a little bit, but I Bill Belichick to me is my, possibly my favorite coach during uh my time watching the nfl if i'm honest and that quote makes me feel good because i i haven't liked the hate towards uh him falling off and people in a way uh supporting tom brady being meaning more to that organization than bill belichick when i think it's pretty obvious that it's bill belichick but we can uh we can get to our games and i think we should just start with with the biggest one uh it was a four o'clock game ah yes the Bengals and steelers (laughs) the the cardinals and bills game and possibly thus far might have the play of the year in it Mm, i think it's gotta be it was wild i it was crazy stefan diggs before that drive just had a great phenomenal play it's obviously today there's plenty of pieces written about it plenty of podcasts talking about it radio shows talk about both teams trading for these stud wide receivers and how much they've meant for these teams but I mean what was your reaction to that play Mark? 
Yeah, well, I mean, first off, I'd like to say how crazy it was that we talked about how it was two Dark Horse MVPs in the quarterbacks competing, and we also talked about which player had a bigger impact on their team as far as the wide receivers that were traded were concerned. I said that value-wise, Hopkins was probably one of the greatest steals in NFL history. Meanwhile, I said that Stephon Diggs had a better or had more of an effect on the quality of the Buffalo Bills offense. But, I mean, I mean – I don't know. I, it's tough because Stefan Diggs every, did everything Stefan Diggs needed to do to win that football game. And yeah. credit to the Bills, they played one heck of a game. But, I mean, watching that play, first off, I thought Murray was going to get sacked there for a moment. Then he spun out and just kind of slung it off his back heel. And then when Hopkins came down with that ball, I literally stood up off my couch and started screaming. And then, like, two seconds later – uh, my roommate, Nick, who was in his room watching it uh, online. So he was slightly delayed. I then heard him stand Aww. up and go. I then heard him stand up and go, what? And so <laughs> it was just both of us screaming in our in our apartment, losing our minds because it was just absolutely insane. The, the fact that he came down with that ball with not only just a Hail Mary. Secondly, he was in triple coverage. Uh, he had to literally look it's a sea of hands and his his red arm just like out of out of that sea is able to come down with it and then if you think about who the three guys are that are all around him it's Jordan Poyer uh, you've got Tredavious White and you've got Micah Hyde so those are the three best members of that secondary and are all great players in their own right uh, in the NFL. So it's not just the three best secondary players on the Bills. That's three of the best secondary players if, you, if you're if you scooping wide in the NFL. And DeAndre Hopkins was able to come down with that football. I thought that moment, we were talking who was the best NFL wide receiver right now. And I said the top three were Jones, uh, Hopkins, and Devontae Adams. I think that puts Hopkins at number one right now. He is playing out of his mind right now. He is insane. I love Devontae Adams. And Julio Jones may be capable of pulling off a play like that, but he hasn't yet. And I think that DeAndre Hopkins has just – he is on another level right now, and he is thriving in Arizona. What a game, though. What a game. Oh, no, I'd have to 100% agree with that. That was easily one of the be- – it's probably – I think it might end up being one of the best games of this 2020 season. That's, oh, it has to be. Oh, it has to be. There's no question. I mean, it was – we came into this game to the better young quarterbacks, the Kyler Murray, obviously, for the Cardinals, and Josh Allen for the Bills. And, again, like Mark noted, two dark horse MVP, MVP candidates. And then, again, you had two top 10, top 15 um, wide receivers and DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs. It was going to prove to be an incredibly just – it was just going to be an incredible game. Um, it was – it was honestly one of the most entertaining games I've ever seen. And that last play, I mean, that's just – that's going to go down in NFL lore. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, again, like Mark said, I think you have to put him at number one. I would put De- Devontae Adams at number two just because, I don't know, if Julio Jones maybe – I don't want to say he's going – he's, like, declining, but he is getting up there in age. And, mm. you know, Devontae Adams is much younger – a little bit younger, I think like three or four years younger. He's a much better route runner. Devontae Adams, the best route runner in the NFL. Um, so I do think I would have to put DeAndre Hopkins at number one because, again, he's playing out of his mind just like we saw in that play, triple coverage against three of the better 
you know, secondary members in the entire NFL. And just and right now he is just carrying that offense along with Kyler Murray. I was slightly upset that he <laughs> caught it in a way, uh, which I, I freaked out. I was like, that's phenomenal. But obviously I picked the Bills, so that hurt. And then Hopkins wasn't having a great game, and I was going up against him in fantasy, and I needed him not to do well because it's a close matchup, and he caught it. And I, I stood up and cheered, and then I looked. I was like, great, that added like 10 points to his fantasy <laughs> output. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> Yeah. But I'm I'm over it now because that play's phenomenal. But it did it did slightly upset me because I was thinking I was getting a fantasy win. But. Yeah, I was telling Connor that you know every time we disagree on games that they always seem to be the wildest ones. Like I I have, I have now pulled like three or four games this season out from under the last <laughs> second over Connor, starting with the Cowboys beating the Falcons, and then after that uh, we had. The uh, I had the Broncos beating the Chargers, and then now this week I have the Cardinals beating the Bills. Like I don't know what it is, but these games. And then, but also Connor got one on me yesterday with the Lions and the football team. Like, if I feel like whenever we disagree on games, I feel like those are the ones that people need to keep their eye on. (laughs) Apparently, they're just absolutely bonkers. Which means tonight the Bears play the Vikings, and we disagreed on that one. Uh, By the time this airs on the airways, we'll know the result of that game. So. Maybe that one will be a boring snoozer just because I've said it now. But, I mean, history seems to favor our matchups and making them really interesting when we disagree on them. Let's hope it's an interesting game tonight. That'd be great. Makes the season more interesting. Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest thing before we had to break real quick, that it was, it's a huge playoff implication that Bill's Cardinals game for both divisions, obviously it, yeah. with help from uh, – the Rams winning as well. It made it a three-way tie in the NFC West, but also in the Bills division, it gives the Dolphins a chance to compete for that division, have a chance. So this this was huge. And I think we'll look back to this moment and say that catch was a huge play that had huge playoff implications. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at this point, Miami can tie it up this next week. The Bills are on a bye. Um, they'd both be at 7-3, and three, and that would mean that their game coming up later this season would be massive. No, I'd have to agree. This NFC West and the AFC East is going to go down to the wire. This is going to go down to week 16 or week 17. There's no question. Yeah, super exciting stuff. Yeah, we we can take a quick break, and we've got plenty of football to talk about left. And I've got a question about some first-round trading uh, for you guys right after the break. So we'll be back in a short bit. Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast and I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm 
to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And we are back with more first and moose reaction to week 10 of the NFL. I'm Connor Taylor with me, Mark Schoenster and Patrick McCabe. So first round picks, a lot of times are traded with possibly some other things involved for uh, very valuable players. And we've seen them over the past couple of years and these players have made impacts but I, before I go through offense and defense, I mean, to me, it's like, why wouldn't you make a first round, tr- like give up a first round pick for a proven player at this point? Because if you're looking at offense, you've got Laramie Tunsil, Stefan Diggs, Odell Beckham, Mark Cooper, Brandon Cooks. And then on the defensive side, you've got Jalen Ramsey, Mika Fitzpatrick, DeForest Buckner, Khalil Mack, Jamal Adams, and Frank Clark. But the, the question that I want to ask is, out of those groups right there that have been traded for first-rounders or rounder, I mean, do you think you're more willing to trade for a defensive player or an offensive player using a first-round pick? I'm definitely erring on the defensive side. The defensive players listed there I thought sounded much more valuable than the offensive players. Not to mention in the draft, a quality offensive player I feel is more commonly found buried deep in, in the draft than a defensive player is. And for me, when it comes to my opinion of trading a first round pick for a defensive guy, it, I think it really has to be the right fit or you have to be committed to a Super Bowl push right now because the immediate value is huge, but you also have to think about the fact that you could also be drafting a franchise guy with that first round pick. Sure. You could also flub, but you're losing that opportunity and you're getting a guy that's not going to be in the NFL as long as someone that you would draft that season. So guys like DeForest Buckner, guys like uh, Khalil Mack and uh, uh, other names you listed, Jamal Adams, like they're, they're great pickups, but you also have to be worried about the fact that they've already been in the NFL for a couple years. And so you don't know how much left, is there in the tank so short term it's great but long term it could end up being a negative effect on your team that you don't have a new young uh upcoming talent coming to your roster and i guess the one one shining example or, or, or one glaring exception from that for me is the minka fitzpatrick trade i think that was a brilliant move by the Steelers because Minka was only in the NFL for like a year mm-hmm. and you knew he was a proven guy. You just, you gave up a first round pick. It pretty much was a draft pick. You, it's so it, it was just more certain than drafting any single guy. Minka Fitzpatrick was a brilliant move by the Steelers and it, it has worked out perfectly for them. And I don't even think the dolphins are too upset about it. Their defense is playing well. Minka wasn't really a great fit for their scheme. It's one of those cases where a, a trade worked out very nicely for both sides. I think another example of that is the, the bills Vikings trade from this off season where both teams are pretty happy with it. But in general, there's definitely a harm trading for, for a, a first round pick away. I would have to say I'd have to agree with that. I feel like there are more like with Mark said, you can find those offensive players, you know, those gems that you might find in like, you know, the third, the fourth, the fifth round, you know, there's going to be more offensive players like that. There's not going to be a ton of, you know, defensive players. If like you really are only going to find those like really good, you know, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, et cetera in like the first, second, third round. So, I mean, it's a premium on defensive players. And I think 
defensive players are worth more as a result with Jamal Adams, with a Jalen Ramsey, with a Khalil Mack. I mean, those trades have worked out, I would say, pretty well, especially for the Bears. Khalil Mack has been, become an incredible player. Um, with Jalen Ramsey, he's, you know, he hasn't, I don't want to say he's been the same, but he's bounced, he's bounced around now. He's been from the Jaguars, and now he's at the Rams. And I don't really know if he's had, he's had the same kind of production that he did in Jacksonville. Um, and again, I think I'd have to agree with you on, on Minka Fitzpatrick, Mark. It's just worked out incredibly well. And again, both sides are doing well. The Dolphins D is doing incredible this season. Tua obviously is, you know, proven to be, is proving to be a very capable starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, and with the Steelers, I mean, hey, they're nine and zero right now. I mean, they can't, they can't complain about anything. Um, and Fitzpatrick was just another great addition to that defense that was already very good. All right, Patriots, Ravens. Now, obviously, there was a monsoon going yeah. on during a good portion of that game that had to help the Patriots when the Ravens were caught on offense. But, I mean, it's just, again, it's proven time and time again, I feel like, that there's no reason to fear Lamar Jackson at end of games, and I think that's a little bit of a problem. And then I'll lay out some stats here. For you guys, I mean, last November, the Ravens put up 37, 49, 41, and 45 points in their games. This season, they've lost to the Steelers. In November, they've lost to the Steelers 28-24, and now the Patriots 23-17. And all of last year in 2019, they didn't have a game where they scored less than 20 points. Uh, Last season, they averaged 33.2 points per game. They've eclipsed that number just once this year. Yeah. Are we worried about the Ravens? Yeah, I think it's about time to be concerned about their validity going forward. Defensively, they're good. Defensively, they're they're a solid side, but the offense is just not consistent enough, and they're not reliable in crunch time situations. I don't know if we can account yesterday as a really glaring example, even though the Patriots are one of the lesser teams they've folded to. I think that monsoon really, like, I don't know how many offenses are going to find too much mm. success when there's that much rain coming down. Like, they were literally in a shower. <laughs> You're going to have a tough time. Like, the way that game ended on that fourth down is kind of indicative of that. That like He was wide open, and I think it was J.K. Dobbins just dropped it because of how much it was raining. Um, but I think there's a point in time, though, where maybe you can excuse each game individually as far as the Ravens not winning it, as far as Lamar Jackson not winning it. But the sum of all those together eventually concerns you that he wasn't able to overcome it. And so I definitely worry about the validity of this Ravens team in the playoffs and if they're ever going to figure that out. Because, yeah, they can bully on bad teams, and I guess they had their way with the Colts. I wouldn't say they're bad. But they don't seem to handle falling behind very well for the most part. I'd have to agree with that. I mean – we have to start looking at last season for the Ravens as potentially a fluke. Like Lamar Jackson, obviously, we all saw him last year. It's one of the easily one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a quarter quarterback and from a team in general. And it seems like this year he almost got found out a little bit. Like people could on it could game plan a little bit better for him. And I guess that kind of makes sense. Like obviously after a year of game tape you're going to figure out okay this guy's going to go this way this guy's like his tendencies but it is concerning because we all thought he was this great quarterback and you know maybe he was going to get over it and it's a little bit concerning especially with this talent on this Ravens team that they couldn't beat the like someone with the like the Patriots who 
I, I mean, don't really are kind of, you know, they don't really have a ton of talent, very little talent, if that, on the offensive side or the defensive side. I don't know how good this this team is, this Ravens team is going to be in the playoffs, especially since they just lost Coyus Campbell, too. It was a huge loss on that defense. I just don't – I don't know how they're going to do it this year. Um, and like Mark said, they are not good um, – they are not good when they fall behind. He's Owens. Lamar Jackson's Owen six when he trails by 10 or more points is not good. Is not good at all. Um, so I just don't, I don't know how they're going to do it in the playoffs. If they make, I don't think they're going to make it that far. If they make it. I, I am uh, uh, worried about them and I think it'll be interesting to see if they're able to turn around. But at this point, I'm, I'm not as high on them as I was. I mean, they were my Super Bowl pick actually to win and, does not look like it's heading that direction but Seahawks Rams another game that had big playoff implications I mean it was Russell Wilson's worst game in a long time he had a game with no touchdowns and multiple picks since 2016 and that Russell Wilson game really affects the MVP race and on the flip side Kyler Murray's miraculous touchdown at the end affects the MVP race because his odds actually went from plus 2,300 to plus 900 and puts them in fourth place behind. It goes Patrick Murray, Holmes, Wilson, Rogers, Murray. But, I mean, before we talk about Seahawks Rams, are, are we seeing Murray have a good shot at uh, sneaking up on Wilson and Mahomes and Rogers here? You know, I, I think that um, – sorry, I didn't mean to interject there. No, you're good. Go ahead. I think Kyler Murray's case um, – I think for Kyler Murray to to get into that spot, first off, they need to make the playoffs, which I think they're on their way to. But also, I think Murray above Wilson now. Murray beat Wilson, and Wilson has now struggled two games in a row. And this Seahawks team is in a concerning state right now. Like, out of those three teams in the NFC West, I'd like the Cardinals and the Rams more because although, you know, Russell Wilson is phenomenal and that offense is phenomenal – the Cardinals and the Rams are much more complete teams right now. They're not, they're not, neither of them are complete, but they're better overall built than the Seahawks are. That defense is absurdly concerning. And so if Russell Wilson's just going to sneak into the wild card, I don't know if he's going to win the MVP, even if he carries the team there, because that's just not how it goes. The MVP discussion really isn't about its literal title. It's not mm-hmm. about the most valuable player. Because if we're going to talk about most valuable player, then Russell Wilson probably fits that mold. But it's more about who had the best season. And right now, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are the two having the best seasons. And Kyler Murray is in third place, I'd say, in having the best season. Um, I I might even argue Kyler Murray is having a better season than Aaron Rodgers. But I guess we'd have to get granular with that and really start breaking things down. I think Patrick Mahomes right now, I know it's the boring answer, which is weird because he's like a third year, but it's the boring answer to say Patrick Mahomes is the MVP, but like he makes it so effortless. He makes it so easy and he's having such a great year regardless that, I mean, I don't know if I could put Kyler Murray or Rogers above him yet. I think you have to start looking. I, I think Patrick Mahomes might end up going down as one of the best quarterbacks this NFL has ever seen. Oh, I, think, I, I mean, can, yeah. I can say that confidently that, I mean, in three years, he's already won a Super Bowl, an MVP. I think the Super Bowl MVP too, if I'm not, if I'm 
right or wrong out of our dead on that one. But he's just won all of these awards. And again, we see it, <laughs> we see it so many times in highlights. He just makes it so effortless. I do think with the way he's playing and I think the way he's going to play for the rest of the season, he's probably going to end up winning the Super Bowl or the Super Bowl and the MVP, which is, I mean, it's not, it doesn't really sound that interesting, but he just is such a good quarterback. And I think with this Ram Seahawks game, it was kind of concerning for that Seahawks offense and the Seahawks defense. I mean, we saw DK Metcalf, obviously one of the better young wide receivers in the NFL got completely just smothered by Jalen Ramsey, who we talked about earlier. Um, I mean, DK only had two passes for 28 yards. Once you take away, I mean, we saw it. Once you take away DK Metcalf from the Seahawks offense, it is very hard to try and replace that type of production. And on the Seahawks defense, I mean, we saw Jamal Adams obviously traded from the Jets to the Seahawks a year ago. There's really nothing there besides him. And, I mean, he's he's going to be – he's one of those players that is going to play all over the field. You're not going to – like, you're never going to not see him try and make a play or is on in on a tackle – he's just the only one and that's kind of concerning for the Seahawks defense I don't know if they're going to be I don't know how far they're going to make it in the playoffs with this Rams team I think they might and with the Cardinals I mean with the where they're playing right now I think they could end up winning the NFC West I think it's going to be a phenomenal stretch for the NFC oh West. buckle up buckle, buckle up. up buckle up and I I'm not sure I'm gonna pick but I uh, you mentioned earlier you're most worried about the the Seahawks mark and I think I am as well right now they seem something's wrong there and their their luck streak in a way has has taken a turn for the worst for the worst at this moment well they're not 50 50 games anymore now Mm -hmm. people are really realizing how to beat the Seahawks and so it's really skewing the favor in odds of the other team and the next thing I want to talk about is Saints 49ers, and I know that wasn't a huge game per se, but there's huge news that came out of it with mm-hmm. Drew Brees could miss multiple games. I just got an update from Bleach Report right now. Uh, Saints QB Drew Brees is dealing with rib fractures on both sides of his chest in addition to collapsed lung. Oh, gosh. So, oh, which that's from Schefter. Uh, so that's that's gonna be true it's a it's a bad issue and it could be a long it could be a while before because ribs are not a fun thing to have injured but the the question is can they find the success that they found last year without breeze last year they went five and oh without him and this time it looks like it'll most likely be Jameis winston leading the way for this team (laughs) but do you think they can find a way not sure how long Drew Brees will be out. The collapsed lung does worry me a lot. That could be season ending. But, I mean, can they have a steady ship just for a little bit? If it's just a couple weeks, just five games, can they find a way to stay the course and still make the playoffs here? Well, the good news is here are your five games that are coming up. You've got the Falcons at Broncos at Falcons, at Eagles, and then, no offense, uh, Patrick, and and then you got the Chiefs. So those are all winnable games except for the Chiefs with Jameis Winston. Um, It's just a matter of doing the same approach you did last year because I can't imagine Jameis Winston hasn't been coached to play conservatively uh, with the Saints. And so just 
rely on Alvin Kamara, rely on Michael Thomas, and rely on that defense and special teams that made plays yesterday despite the, the bit of the funky performance the Saints had yesterday. It wasn't exactly the prettiest game, but they got it done through uh, odd ways, and which is something the Saints are pretty typical of doing. They did it last year when, the, when Teddy Bridgewater was in. So you, you've got four winnable games in a row which would put you at 11 wins, which means you're, you're in the playoffs. So, and then you just have that final stretch where you try to, you, you let Drew Brees take his time, let him get healthy for the playoffs, because we saw that this Saints team can beat good teams last week and they could do it really well. So we just have to make sure that you're ready for the playoffs because I think this next game stretch is all right for them. And it's really perfect timing. I mean, there's not really a good time for Drew Brees to have have a collapse long, but this is a pretty, this is a pretty vanilla stretch for them, which is helpful. And they could drop a game or two in here and still be all right. I'd have to agree with that. Um, My only concern is that Teddy Bridgewater is now on the Panthers, obviously, Jameis Winston is a capable quarterback. I wouldn't like put I wouldn't put too much, you know, praise on him. I mean, he did throw 30 touchdowns last year, also threw 30 interceptions. And we saw him in this game. He didn't look particularly calm in a way. Um, it wasn't that great. They had to lean on Alvin Kamara, who obviously had um, 100 yards, three touchdowns. It's a bit concerning. I do think with um, with like Mark said, I think they have a pretty somewhat easy stretch coming up with these next four games. And I don't think they'll win the Chiefs game. I mean, the Chiefs are just dominating every team that they're playing right now. But this this four-game stretch, is, I think, is particularly important towards their season because, again, if they win their next four, these next four games, they're in the playoffs. And all they got to do is just make sure that Drew Brees is healthy. If Drew Brees is healthy, I mean, the Saints are potentially a trap team in the playoffs. Um, which is weird to say because you shouldn't say a team making the playoffs is a trap team, but I think they have. There, it's a very real possibility that these the Saints team might upset someone in the playoffs in the wild card or the divisional round if they make it that far. Um, but I think the main concern is just making sure Drew Brees is healthy and that they win these next four games. I'm excited in a way for Jameis Winston time. I, I feel oh. bad for Drew for Drew Brees, but I, I'm excited for the chaos that it causes oh. during games. Well, this is the polar opposite of the Saints quarterback situation last year when Brees was hurt. Because last year you're like, oh, we have literally the steadiest guy <laughs> in the NFL in water. And now you have the most volatile quarterback in Jameis Winston in the history, maybe in the history of the NFL at your quarterback spot now. This, this is going to be interesting. I hope it's interesting. Which I, I was so close to turning. I had two games going on, and they were better games than the, the 49ers-Saints uh, game. But I was like, man, I want to see Jameis Winston right now play. But I, <laughs> I, I stayed composed and watched more important games than seeing mm-hmm. him. So I, I'm excited to watch him, though. But the, the last game I wanted to talk about was Dolphins-Chargers and how Brian Flores has – I mean, he's turned around the Dolphins, it seems like. They rank third behind the Patriots and Colts for fewest penalties per game at 5.3 since Flores arrived uh, as head coach. They rank 30th uh, before he arrived. And then uh, this year they ranked fourth in turnover differential. Uh, they ranked the bottom eight last year. They've improved on kicking this year. They were very bad at kicking last year. They've only missed one field goal, King, yesterday. 
Uh, they were at a league high five miss- misses in the 45 to 50 yard range. I mean, this man is really turning around the Dolphins, and I'm I'm excited for it. I just like to say I started the Brian Flores conversation a couple weeks ago, and I am all aboard the train. I'm all aboard Flores for Coach of the Year, and I'm I'm gonna retweet the the post that you have that has this uh, this podcast episode in it, and it's gonna say hashtag Flores for Coach of the Year because <laughs> I'm officially starting the campaign right now. What a job this guy has done! I talked about it a little bit. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I've been mentioning it week after week. I am such a huge fan of Brian Flores now, and I'm loving the fact that the Dolphins are doing well, and I'd love to see Tua Tagovailoa in the playoffs. I'd have to agree with that. I mean, this this Dolphins team just looks very, you know, for the first time in a very long time, competitive. I mean, Tua, obviously, we knew how good he was in, at Alabama. We were kind of – we didn't know what we were going to – like what version we were going to see out of Tua, and he showed that – you know, he's a very capable quarterback in this NFL. And with Justin Herbert, I mean, again, he's still a very good quarterback. There's no – like, we shouldn't place, like, any, like, bad judgment on Justin Herbert. He's a very good quarterback and proved to be a franchise quarterback for the Chargers team. But, I mean, the Dolphins just look good right now. That AFC East is going to go down to the wire. Like, it's going – the Dolphins and the Bills, That's I think that's going to end up being one of the best stories that comes out of this season because both of those teams have very capable young quarterbacks and great defenses. So that should be a very interesting AFC West at the end of the season. Yeah, this this football this year is getting very exciting in some divisional matchups. The races are going to get exciting, and they are exciting. Playoff picture season is coming. mm -hmm. (laughs) But before we go, something I I saw today while I was reading in The Athletic, uh, the Dolphins are on a five-game win streak currently. And so they did a chart of what's the most recent – uh, win streaks five plus games for each team and most of them are 2015 and above have at least a five game win streak then you jump down to the football team Jacksonville Jaguars did it in 2005 Buffalo Bills did it in 2004 and then we have to jump down to 1994 who do you think that team from 19 the last time they had a five game win streak in 1994 was Bills the Cleveland Browns I have had a five-game win streak the Browns. Wow, since 1994. Is... They had a four-game win streak this year, but that was nuts to me, and I feel bad for Browns fans because that mm-hmm. is – they've never had a five-week stretch where they felt good about themselves since mm-hmm. 1994, which is nuts. That's rough. But that's going to wrap it up for us today on First and Moose. It was, it was fun going through quotes. Thank you for coming on as a guest, Patrick. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, that's going to wrap it up. First in Moose on U92 The Moose on 91.7 FM or any podcast platform. Thank you for listening.